Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 14, 2014. Oh, excuse me, 2015. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 98, paragraph 3. Today's readers are the 12 Steps of OA, Mary B., the 12 Traditions of OA, Cynthia C., and reading the text today for us is Rachel W., Deanna B., and Marcella M. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, July 13, 2015, is 7823. 7823. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary B. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered in Southern California, uh, Central California today. I moved. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so, would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for the opportunity to be of service. 
Thank you, Mary B. I will now ask Cynthia C. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Cynthia C. from Massachusetts here, and thank you everybody for your service. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought to never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Thank you, Cynthia C. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Reread a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 93, paragraph 3, I'm sorry, 98, paragraph 3, and I will ask Rachel W. to begin our study this morning. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everyone. Now the domestic problem. There may be divorce, separation, or just strained relations. When your prospect has made such reparation as he can do to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. 
Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. If persisted in for a few months, the effect on a man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover they have a basis upon which they can meet. Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. Good morning, everyone. This is Rachel W. calling from New York, and um, there is so much here to... uh, you know, as usual, it's packed with uh, so many ideas. But what's really, uh, what I'm really identifying in with is the um, the sentence that says, um, "Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration." And once again, you know, I'm being directed to. We're all being directed to consider that. Um, we need to live a life and keep our lives on, on a spiritual plane. And, you know, it's one thing when we're coming in and, and uh, you know, it's, we're kind of doing our own thing. But now when we're, you know, actually bringing everything into action into our homes, it, it presents a whole other set of challenges. And I think that, that, that the whole point is that no matter what happens, we have to keep our program spiritual and, and keep up our spiritual tools. And it's like what was said in the last paragraph, that we need to do this regardless of anyone. And, um, and that includes our sponsor. You know, it's, it's, it, you know it's, I, I am also um, thinking in here of, of the idea that, you know, um, when I sponsor, I don't impose my beliefs on, uh, on anyone, but I think there is one belief I do impose, and that is to consider that everything happening, whether it's in the past or present, is, is a spiritual experience, whether we're conscious of it or not. So um, in dealing with our, our families, um, it's no different. And for myself, I, I never imagined, I, you know, just want to end off by saying that, you know, for so many years I was in this program as the only member in my family, and um, I never imagined that, you know, as I would take things to the next level and really understand and learn every day more about what surrender is and what, what keeping it spiritual is, I, I, did never, I never imagined the effect it would have on my home, that I actually have a family member in recovery, that, that I'm actually living this 12-step way of life with much more ease than I ever did. And it really speaks not to me, but it speaks to the principles of this program that stand alone. And um, so in what, whatever phase you're in, whether you're presenting this to your family for the first time or you're here for a while and it's frustrating, I want to tell you that miracles can happen and that you just need to keep, you know, keep on keeping on. And um, thank you so much, everyone, for allowing me to share, and I pass. Thank you, Rachel W. Who would like to comment on this paragraph? Charles Rage. Hi, Charles. This is Bella. Can I share? Hi, Bella. You betcha. Hang on just a second. Anyone else? Sally. Hi, Sally. Good morning. Good Anyone morning. else? Anyone else this morning? Basa O. Hi, Basa. Let's go with that. We have four so far. Charles H., Bella G., Sally A., and Basa O. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Melody. Thank you for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary. Um, and I want to thank you and thank everybody on the line. Now the domestic problem. There may be divorce, separation, or just strained relationships. I want to drill down on strained relationships. Um, can I tell you, like, you know, usually I'm on my way to work and I'm saying, hey, can you share me? Well, I'm at work already because, um, you know, I have to do overnight. And, and, and 
and and I you know and I and I've dealt with this resentment um for this individual that was supposed to be here and not here and just you know, but I gotta remember when I was that individual that was saying I was gonna be here and never there. But uh, I, I, I could tell you, I'm definitely feeling some type of way. And, you know, and I talked with my sponsor about it, and I put it through the columns, and, and I'm still feeling some type of way. You know, I just, it's just something to do with, you know, <laughs> it's just something, it's something about overnights I just don't like. You know, I, I want to be sleeping at night, you know, and, and I want to wake up in the morning and go to work. But you know what? It, this ain't Burger King. This ain't Have It Your Way, Charles. And, 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 and that's fine. I'm grateful you know, but I'm feeling some type of way. And, um, yeah, you know, family, domestic, first of all, <laughs> domestic problems. I wouldn't be human if I didn't have any. And, um, you know, sometimes people will use your program and beat you over the head with it. Like, you know, you're supposed to be so spiritual and you, you, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, people will beat you over the head with your program. And and I, and I just noticed that, and 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 that the real resentment had me feeling some type of way. So everything else had me getting tight. Um, even through meditation, even through prayer, even through doing step work with sponsees and sponsors, feeling some type of way because it felt good. It felt it felt normal. It felt like what I always did, but um. But I'm here to say today is the tomorrow that I thought about yesterday, you know, but God. And I did ask God to direct my thinking, let it be divorced from self-pity, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. But God, and only God, my God, can, can, can turn this thing around in the fourth quarter, can turn it around with one second on the clock. Um, or even my domestic problems, even, 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 even my strained relationships, yes, there are many. What God? And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for allowing me to have a voice. Thank you, Charles H. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, it's such a wonderful, wonderful paragraph. And I will talk about argument and fault finding how to be avoid like the plague wow yes before the program i i wasn't even so much in arguments but i was in a place to you know to blame and to judge and this is exactly exactly the character defect that caused the power Yes, I wasn't even aware that this is what I wanted. I wanted the power. And for me, the power is to blame you and to judge you and to say, oh, yes, this is your fault. This is why I was like this. The opposite of freedom, the opposite of peaceful mind. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now that I am in the program, I, I, I don't need this argument. I don't need this power. Today I know that the power means a blockage between, in, in, in my connection between me and God. And today, thank you God, I don't need this power. You know, today I want to be sure 
that I am connected with God, that I, that I am passing over not my own message. And yes, when I am living in this way, without talking, without arguing, without fighting, people get convinced that, yes, my way today is the spiritual way. You know, and, and it, it, the fighting, the argument, Yes, it's like a plug that we don't, that we come to a point that we don't even remember why we are argue. We just want the power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Sally A? Good morning, Mel. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A in South Jersey, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, so here we are, this very important paragraph, uh, they're saying a very important principle for us. When your prospect has made such reparation, they're talking about steps eight and nine, as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, so now they're going to tell us what's the principle that we have got to put into action in our home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. Okay, though his family be at fault, in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. So they're telling me in this paragraph, get your eyes on you, not on them. I want to show you another place where it says very similar words. Top of page 66. To conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us, and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, and then we restored ourselves. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. And what this paragraph tells me is, you know, an important one sentence in the 12 and 12 that it, it pretty much matches up perfectly. Page 90 in the 12 and 12 tells us it is a spiritual axiom that every time we are disturbed, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with us. And that is the principle here at the bottom of page 98 that they're telling us he, he should concentrate on himself, on his own spiritual demonstration. And he goes on to say argument and false finding are to be avoided like the plague. And they tell us that on the bottom of 84, on the bottom of 103, on the top of eight, at top of 67. Over and over we're told don't fight. And the reason that we're told that is this principle that they're telling us he should proceed to put these principles into action at home. This is a very important principle. It ties in with so many character defects and mostly fear, which ties in with so many character defects. And the end of the matter is, bless them, change me. That has become more and more the reality to the whole, every single principle in this book is bless them, change me. The bottom line is me. I'm the one who has to change. Concentrate on me. 
The paradigm shift happens in me. And what a different world this could be. If my eyes are on me, thank God that God is going to change me. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you, Sally A. Vasa O. Thank you, Melanie, for your service, and good morning, everyone. And I'm Vasa, a recovered compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts. And this is a really good paragraph. It shows me where I was and where I am today. And I had my own share of problems in my own marriage when I came to uh, the program. I was a homestay mom and available to my kids and my husband. They were so used to having me. And then the program started interfering with my family, and especially my husband. He, boy, he did not like it, you know. But I remember praying, praying to God, and I, you know, I had God in my life at that time. I said, God is bigger than my husband, you know. And I would ask God to just remove my fear. Um, and gradually, little by little, no matter what, no matter what, I stuck with the program because I knew if I didn't, I'm just going to die, and I didn't want to die. So I practice the same principles, you know, and I know where people are, you know, like where I was, you know, when I came. And, uh, and, you know, like I'm I'm not a, a lawyer. I'm not a doctor. As I said, I'm here just to help somebody. With the, to stop eating compulsively, and I cannot do that. God does it, you know, through the steps and through surrender. And and I used to think in my own home, well, if my husband changes or if this happens, then I'll feel better, I'll be happier. And then it's just different attitude. I, God was changing me, you know. Stop blaming them, you know. Bless them and change me. And that's what my number uh, relationship ship today was with God, not with my husband or my kids. And after that comes, you know, after I have that relationship with God, and, um, you know, I'm not the fixer. You know, God is in charge of um, my life, my marriage, my program, everything I do. And even though my family were not happy, they've adjusted over the years. And they like me to the person that I am today, you know. Uh, I, um, I have, uh, you know, the, I never thought I had the power from the inside, you know. I was always the victim, always people-pleasing, enabling, caretaking, you know. And uh, I didn't know I could say no. You know, I didn't know I could speak up for myself, you know. And that comes from God, you know. And I'm a grown person, grown woman today, you know, from being that little scared child. Um, you know, I've been transformed gradually by working the steps. So, yes, I have a woman now that I'm sponsoring. She's having a problem with her husband, you know, and I can only share my own experience, keep the focus on myself, you know, and uh, just let them be. And I don't I don't tolerate abuse, you know. I could, today, I don't. You know, years ago I did. And I'm sure my husband tolerated things that I did that he shouldn't have, you know. But I'm in a different place today. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Carol G. Hi, Anita J. Hi, Carol G. Hi, Anita J. Anyone else? Nessa. Leia. Nessa and Leia. Did I hear somebody else? Elsie M. from Philadelphia. 
Okay, let's go with that for right now. So I have Carol G, Anita J, Nessa R, Leah M, and LCM. Thank you. Good morning, Carol. Morning, Melanie. Uh, good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G, Recovers Compulsive Operator. Thank you for the meeting. Um, I was just looking at the, the part where it says the effect on a man's family is sure to be great, and it sure has been that way for me, but it reminded me of um, a time when I actually once sponsored an alcoholic. Um, I tried to help her through this chapter. I helped her mum get into Al-Anon. Um, I helped her with the principles, getting them working in her life. And she got her children back. She got her life back. She was doing extremely well. She took one drink, fell down the stairs, and she lost the children, breakups. All things just went well. And actually, what I did was, with that piece of experience, was I allowed myself to compare that with my own. And I couldn't see such a dramatic comparison in my own life. And so I, I concluded that I wasn't that bad for a little bit longer. Um, but my, my family were actually living with a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Everyone around me would walk on eggshells. Everyone would fear my wrath. Is she going to be abstinent? Is she going to be on a diet? Is she going to be eating? Can we speak? Can we not speak? Everyone lived in fear, and I wasn't creating a very peaceful home and an environment at all. And it was a phase that I went through in my early recovery where I then became, look what God has done for me, and you mere mortals couldn't help me. And so still I was creating this, this difficult attitude and environment in which people to, could live in and um, what happened to my friend I think for me I look back now happened in a very short few weeks and it stopped me seeing the magnitude of my own domestic problems my troubles the way in which I kept my husband hostage the way in which I held the whole family hostage due to my eating and my compulsion and when I speed up that picture of what happened to her and look at the mess that was created in my house, I, I saw that I had to get more recovery in my life. And since I've done that, the recovery that I've demonstrated through to other sponsees and to people that I work with has changed their lives as well. But not so much, not, how do I say this, but more so in my own family. Because nine times out of ten, I'm free of the bondage to self today. And so the effect on my family of me being in recovery is tremendous. Everyone gets on with each other. There's no eggshells to walk upon, and everyone is just at peace. And I'm so grateful that I could be privy to that. Let it begin with me, and thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Carol G. Anita J. Thank you, Melanie. This is Anita J. Uh, recovered out in Massachusetts. Uh, this all has such meaning because I've been in so many years. When I came in and got abstinent, which is all I thought you're supposed to do or could do, my daughter was a sophomore in high school. And it was as if we were both going through adolescence at the same time. And she gave me such a hard time. And then, though, I kept working it to the best of my ability back then, and for the following Mother's Day, which was about a year later, she gave me this beautiful plaque with a serenity prayer on it. And I knew that she came to see that I was no threat. I was living my life. And uh, it was really fantastic. I wish I could say everything went beautifully with the whole family since then, but of course it didn't. 
and there was a time when I did not know about boundaries and talked up the kazoo with so many different program people that one day my husband was so furious. I was sitting and talking to my sponsor, and he walked in and dumped all these goodies, all these treats and snacks into my lap and walked away. And it was I was just stunned. But I was using that, uh, I was using the program as if that was now my purpose in life, and these people I happened to be living with, that was an incidental piece of information. I just tell you all that because since I have been recovered, everybody is on board. Not that I ask them, but they see something has changed. Something has so changed. My husband has never said a word about any phone call, nothing. Uh, There is some kind of respect going on with my daughter and me and my husband and me and uh, and it's just it's just an amazing thing, and I didn't do it. I didn't. If I were going to do it, I would have done it decades ago. It's just, uh, you know, I used to hate the word credibility, which one of my now good friends that used to say all the time, you know, credibility is pretty good. And I've only become credible by following the 12 steps, but first of all, following the really creator of those 12 steps beyond Bill B, and that's my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita J. Nessa R. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R., recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, I think that with the family, um, as much if not more so than with anybody else, um, it has to be attraction rather than promotion. Um, but my my aim has to be still to live um, a God-centered life because if my aim is through my practicing these principles in all my affairs to change others so that I can be happy, I have a really clean house. I'm really not serving God and I'm really not helping others. I'm just using, you know, different means of manipulation and control to get what I want. And, you know, they will notice. They will notice and they will rebel and retaliate. Um, you know, the attraction rather than promotion principle implies that I'm going to live my life in this way that really, really works for me, no matter what happens in the home. Um, I do have some family members who could benefit from um, this way of living, but they don't want it. I mean, they see it. They see how it works for me. Um, they don't want it. But I keep, I keep steadfast in my, in my working these principles every day, uh, day in and day out, um, in all my affairs. And the result is that the family is a lot happier. Not only they're happier, I'm happier. Because um, it, my, my recovery doesn't depend on them signing on, uh, endorsing, copying, whatever it is that I am doing. It, it's really me. It's really me. Cleaning house, serving God, and helping others. And that's all really that is required. And that has been my experience. You know, my, my home is a more peaceful home. It's a more serene home. We all get along. You know, we enjoy being with each other which is something that didn't happen before. But if I start using 
the program as another tool, as another weapon, um, a crusade, if you will, to, to try to change others, that, that will not work. And, you know, it can go back to what it used to be uh, before, and I really don't want that. So I have to work my, this program just for the sake of working this program and not for the sake of converting others into my point of view. And that has worked beautifully for me. So with that, I pass. Have a good day. Thank you, Nessa R. Leah M. Thank you so much, Melanie. Well, obviously we are, you know, in Chapter 7 working with others, and the big book is giving us guidance as to how to help the prospect we're working with uh, in, in, in regards to their relationships. And certainly, you know, we have that experience too. You know, it says uh, there may be divorce, separation, or just strained relations when your prospect has made such reparation as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he's living. He should continue, he should proceed, which means continue to put these principles into action at home. And that's exactly what we do. Yes, we've done step nine at this point. Yes, we've gone to those we've harmed, our family members uh, at this point acknowledging the harm specifically, taking responsibility for our part, not discussing their contribution to the events that unfolded, and cleaning up as best we can and repairing the damage as best we can. And yes, there is strained relations. And yes, I could certainly relate to that. I mean, it's easy to have strained relations. People think, oh, I'm just a compulsive overeater. You know, I'm just sitting on the couch eating. How am I affecting other people? Well, you know, personally, in my young marriage, you know, I was unpredictable. I was unreliable. I was irresponsible. It was like walking through a line, a landmine with me. Um, there was lack of emotional intimacy because I was busy making love with the contents of a bag or a box. Um, <laughs> there was lack of physical intimacy. I was withdrawn. I was angry at myself and others. I was remorseful and guilty and depressed. Um, so, yes, there was a lot going on there even after the step at nine had been made. Um, you know, it goes on to say he should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration, argument, and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. And this is something that my sponsor just squeezed my head about this uh, because I had this knack for a critical tongue. And anger to a marriage is what the iceberg is to the Titanic. And I just had to bite my tongue and get busy with the internal rearrangements that needed to occur within me. And I had to focus on my own spiritual demonstration. Uh, you know, I had to ask myself, what was I willing to give up to have the kind of relationship, the kind of marriage that I wanted and was promised through these, this program? So this marital peace, this marital sobriety, if you will, was easier to maintain if the harmony in my marriage was more important than the desire to convince my wonderful husband that they were wrong and I was right. <laughs> so it was a rearrangement that occurred, meaning the focus was on me uh, through pressing into these steps, relying, trusting, and depending on a higher power, and allowing myself to uh, have God demonstrate uh, through me that uh, there was a transformation in the works. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Elsie M. Hi, this is Elsie M. from Philadelphia. 
Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I I love this part. Um, This chapter is just so powerful for me. Um, I, my domestic problems were totally directly related to that last sentence on that page on 98, that argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague because argument and fault finding is what I did. It's exactly what I did. I kept the mirror on you, not on me. I didn't look in the mirror for myself. I always was pointing the finger at my husband. And I didn't know how to do a 10-step. I didn't know how to take responsibility for my own own behaviors as I learned through steps one through nine. And um, it's just amazing the difference that can take place in a marriage just by that little shift. And it's not a little shift. It's a big shift, but it's really important. And now um, I have more room in my marriage. I have more energy in my marriage. And I say, I say things like, thank you, or how can I help you, instead of pointing the finger. <clears throat> and it, it really creates a shift. And um, I encourage anyone to, uh, to, to have faith that things can get better. Um, they really can. So that's all I have. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Elsie. Thank you very much. Um, I would like to have a couple more people share in this paragraph, if anyone's available to do so. Who would be interested? Marcella. Larry. Hi, Marcella and Larry. Let's go with those two for now and see where we end up. Hi. Good morning again, Marcella. Hi again, Melanie. Um, my name is Marcella, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just know that we had to spend an hour on this paragraph because it's so rich. Um So the strained relationships and the domestic problem, when I first started this way of life and I read this um, concept, I said, well, this is very interesting, but what does it have to do with me overeating and being fat, and how is this going to get me to the size four that I want? What does this have to do with anything? And um, in doing this program, And then, most importantly, in walking others along the way while while working the program with others, then I realized that decades, literally decades of being in a way, relapsing, 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 had put a strain on every single relationship around me, not only my domestic relationships, but every single friendship, every work relationship, every neighbor relationship, because my world was around the fact of how can I control the food? How can I get this food under control? And, and, and I was not emotionally present. I would get ridiculously upset if people ate the foods that I couldn't eat in front of me. I avoided any social event because I knew that my enemy was going to be there, my enemy being the food. And I was impossible to feed, and I was impossible to be around because my brain was preoccupied with calories, grams of carbs, and and fat content and calorie content. And my body might be there, but my, my heart and my brain and my soul was not there. So now that I'm recovered and the obsession has been lifted, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. The obsession has been lifted. Now I can be where I am and enjoy social events and and be observe what's going on. I don't have any enemies, food or otherwise, because I know how to work my 10 steps. And more important, I've been granted the dignity 
to help another person that suffers the same troubles that I do. And and I can walk the walk with them. The very last thing that I want to add is that at the very beginning, the steps used to be done like real quickly. Real quickly means like four, three to seven hours, no more than that. But then little fine print, we used to do them every single day of our lives. When people were admitted to St. Thomas, you know, in, in Akron, Ohio, where, where the people, the first, the first of us got sober, um, that like, like we would go to the hospital to visit with the person that was detoxing. And, and so we had the opportunity to do the steps again every single day. So, so when i working with others, I'm taking the steps again. I'm doing my step one, my step two, my step three with another person, walking the, walking the way with that person. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella M. Larry Kay, good morning to you. Good morning, Melanie. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Thanks for your service. Um, so, again, I think it's so important here for me to recognize, again, that we are in the chapter working with others. Um, and so this has given us, you know, precise instructions because we've, we've been through this, this practical program of action and we've had a spiritual transformation uh, sufficient to restore us to sanity. And uh, so now we're just carrying the message. And in, in this paragraph, you know, it's, it's talking about the domestic situation. And, yes, we, we all have our own personal narrative. We all have our you know, our, our experience with this, I, I tore it up at home. That's for sure for, for decades. And, um, and so, you know, what's important for me to understand here is that, you know, if I, you know, I can't say, you know, you know, do as I say, uh, but, you know, as a sponsor, as a sharing partner, you know, I'm being horribly judgmental towards that person. And yet now, you know, I'm talking about uh, them. You know, living by these principles um, in the in 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 their home, and so I think what it is is that you know, people. You know, it's like parenting. You know, in a sense that your, you know, your children. You know, uh, pay much less attention to what you say, but they they see the hypocrisy perhaps in what we do. You know, and so I, I need to live by these principles when talking about this with someone and, and really to, to, to help them to understand the difference between, you know, being judgmental, you know, um, which is making inferences about someone's worthiness, you know, versus being discerning. You know, a discerning person um, is someone who, you know, uh, uh, is, is examining a situation and they can see, you know, the differences in people, but nonetheless we can be accepting, loving, and tolerant. So those are the principles by which I try to live today is to be loving and, and tolerant and accepting of other people. It doesn't mean that I'm not discerning and, and I don't see the differences and that, uh, you know, if, 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 you know, in the midst of a harmful situation, um, I don't need to get whacked over the head. You know, I can get myself out of that situation. But that today, by the grace of God, I've been given the ability to be more uh, discerning. And I don't have to apply judgment. And I don't have to be the person whacking someone over the head with all that judgmentalism. And I think that comes comes through loud and clear in how we sponsor people. People see 
how we deal with them. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And I'd like to then uh, have Sheila Deanna H. Hi, Sheila H. Do you want to share on this paragraph before we move oh. on? Yes. Okay. Molly L. Oh, Molly. I'd like to just kind of go with that, and then we can move on. Thanks. We have oh. Sheila H. and Molly. Well, maybe maybe Good. we better stay put. I, <laughs> anybody yeah. else want to share on this paragraph? Let's not be too hasty. Yeah, I'd like to chime in. This is Amy G. Oh. Hey, Amy. Okay, so I have Sheila H., Molly, I didn't get your... <laughs> Amy and Deanna. Let's just hang tight right here. So I have Sheila H., Molly, Amy G., and Deanna. Hi, Sheila. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Good morning. Good morning. Sheila H. is covering a day of the time. Thank you, God. I definitely needed to identify them because, you know, I have... Um, when family members of mine have put down their substance choice, and I had so much resentment and anger, and I couldn't understand why they were so angry. I was thinking, like, once they put these things down, you know, we would be in Shangri-La and very resentful and judgmental. And, you know, that was a couple of years until I myself came into this program and made my attempt to put things down, and I felt irritable and angry and resentful because. You know, someone was saying these things are bad for me and I can't have them and I have much more compassion for the other folks in my life and regards to marriage. God's grace himself. And it's very, very difficult when you have two people at home that have different substances that they're addicted to, mind to them, and they put them down. It's like coming to Jesus' moment because attitudes and resentment. Everything is just bouncing all off the wall, you know. Um, and so um, you can get some mutuality and some understanding, you know, and both, you know, to raise God that you sent me around these feelings that I could not understand initially until I did my work and my recovery in this program of what it felt like to have to put something down. You didn't even realize the level of freedom until you say, well, you can't handle it. And that word can deprivation set off by itself. You know, um, they were grateful for it, were grateful for the experience, but it gave, you know, a lot more compassion, you know, and blaming and, uh, the people around me, like, why can't you? You know, I just afraid. Just put this stuff down, everything will be fine. No, it wasn't. Everything broke loose. That's the most the word that I want to say, but everything broke loose. Neither one of us no longer had these stuff. The next side of stuff that was going on, and so we did the work. It was rocking and rolling, and great. You know, we are 37 years, and we need it, and we're grateful for it. And today, we can see it, we can touch um, each other, I have mutuality. I love to bake. I can bake now, and it's not bothering me to drive my family from baking because I can't have it. Nobody's going to have it. You know, today that's not the case, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much for your service. Thank you, Sheila H. Molly, you're next. And you want to give me the first initial of your last name, please? Hi, um, this is Molly L. Um, am oh, I doing this right? Hi. hi. Yeah, you are. Hi. Good morning. Good. Hi. Good morning. Um, I've been listening to this meeting a while. Um, I'm Molly L. Grateful, recovered food addict from North Jersey, and uh. 
today. I got the message that I should share. So um, thank you, everybody, so much for what you've said. And uh, this paragraph, I don't recall specifically, and so it's been really nice to uh, to hear it talked about so much. And it reminded me of um, I had my 12-year-old, 12-year-old niece in the car last night for 20 minutes, and she literally didn't stop talking the entire time about this like drama that she and her friends were having in their group chat, in their text messages, and it was such a look in the mirror for me um, because every friend that she described, including herself, was me, and was not so long ago, you know, not just when I was 12 and in middle school, it, it was all arguing and fault finding, and she was like, we were trying to blame her, and I have to give everybody advice because they don't know what to do. And this girl said that, and she's manipulative, and she's sensitive. And I realized that that's how not only how I operated when I was in in middle school, but how I continued to operate in more subtle ways as I became an adult. And um, I it it's it's really really it was good to see and really incredible what this program has done in that I don't have to do that anymore, and I don't have to argue and I can let people, I mean, I don't do it all the time, but I, I, can, I can ask for help to let people be, be what they are and do things their way. It doesn't always have to be my way um, because I was completely driven by fear and basically fear of being wrong. And uh, it, it, ha- it happens in my business as well. I have a really old, wise business partner, and she's always saying to me, like, it's not I'm right, you're wrong. Or the other way, it can't. It can't always be about that because people are different, and we're working with these people. And whether you did everything right or not, they're not getting the message. So you have to work with them where they're at. And uh, listening to this meeting this morning really helped me realize that and remember that. That and that I still I want to blame other people all the time um, because I'm so afraid that I was wrong and that that makes me a terrible person. And um, going through the steps. And doing the, you know, making the columns and looking at where I'm deluding myself and where I'm, where yeah, the fantasies that I have, and really learning how to be honest with myself has been such a help. So I was really nervous about this share. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Molly L, for unmuting to share today, and welcome, Amy G. Press star one, Amy. Well, perhaps we'll get back to her. Deanna B., do you want to take that place until we hear from Amy? Thank you, Melanie. My name is Deanna B., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader for today. Uh, a lot's been said in this one paragraph, in fact, the chapter working with others. When we read this today, it just it brought to my mind, of course, the 12 step practicing these principles in all our affairs. But what used to be my prayer was change you, bless me. I had it all backwards because if I changed you, then I'd be okay. If you followed my script, did it my way, then I would be okay. And I I could have smooth sailing. It says, though his family 
be at fault in many respects. He should not be concerned about that. And not be concerned about that is what I need to concentrate on because my sobriety, my abstinence, my recovering is not dependent on other people. And I need to put that across to the newcomer, to the person that I'm working with, that they're, you know, recover, being recovered, they're being abstinent is not dependent on me, on other people, other places, or things. You know, I've been told a long, long time ago uh, that I need to, oh, well, it just left me whatever I was going to say. That's what happens. Uh, But I do know that I need to focus on my recovery, not to try to change other people. Um, I gave my significant significant other uh, surprise uh, 75th birthday party on Saturday at my son's house. And, you know, people are making comments, oh, my goodness, how'd you do this, do that, lose weight, you're so tiny. And, I, I mean, I don't see myself that way. And, um, you know, for me to start saying that it's all about God, I'm not going to do that to these people because my son would just roll his eyes. And um, I think that what it, people have told me that I may be the only big book, uh, and that's the way it is. You know, uh, I don't have to push God on you or anybody else. And the last thing is, I've been in program. My first introduction was in 1976. How can I expect my family uh, to all of a sudden, you know, even in a year, two years, uh, admit whatever? And when it's taken me so long, you know, and a you know, relapse after relapse to see that it's up to God, not me. God's in charge, not me. Like it's always, I thought it was. And with that, I'll pass. And thank you very much, Melanie, for your service. You're very welcome. Thank you, Diana. Diana B., I apologize for that. Amy G., we do have a couple more minutes. I'd like to offer that to you if you've been able to get back on the phone. Melanie, can you hear me now? I can. Hi, yeah. Take that couple minutes, would you, and take us <laughs> to the end? <laughs> oh, oh, yay. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your service, and thank you, everyone, for an awesome meeting. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Though his family may be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. I mean, I, I can speak from both sides here as a sponsee and as a sponsor, and, and as Leah was saying earlier, you know, my sponsor made it very, 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 very clear that, you know, you know, look, most of us don't grow up in the most functional families in the world. And in most times in relationships, there are issues where there are other people at fault, but that my focus was to be on me. As someone was saying earlier, you know, bless them, change me, bless them, change me. That was a mantra. That is something that I had to constantly, constantly remember. Love and tolerance uh, was my code. Trust and reliance on God, love and tolerance of others. These are things that I had to focus on because, you know, what's it talk about in the big book? That we need a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I had too much work to do on my own that I could not be focusing on anyone else in my family. As crazy as they may have been or may be, my focus was on me because I was the one that was stuffing food in my mouth. 
and then throwing it back up in my case. I was the one that was killing myself with compulsive overeating, and I was the one that was absolutely powerless to stop doing what I was doing to myself. And my whole reason with coming to program was to ask for help to stop that, not to fix my family, not to point a finger at them. As a matter of fact, my sponsor made it very clear that I was to take the word you in my conversations with my family out of my vocabulary. And I learned a lot of that in the eighth and ninth step, that I was to constantly keep the focus on me. I was never to point a figure and I was never to start a conversation or a sentence with the word you because I had to keep it the focus on me. And that my, in actuality, my life depended on my changing. My life did not depend on my family getting better, my dad telling me he loved me. None of that didn't matter. What, what absolutely, absolutely did matter was that I focused on me and the changes that needed happened to me, whether or not they changed it. And I was just as powerless over my ability to change anything that went on in my family as I was from stopping myself from compulsive overeating. So the focus had to be tapping into a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. And what was beautiful about that is that as my sponsor constantly reminded me that I would be the only big book maybe that my family would ever, ever see. And I try to remind that to my sponsees that you get, you get better first and let God take care of the rest. Let God do what God does in helping you. And then maybe things will change, but it first starts with me. It has to begin with me. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me sneak in. Thank you, Amy G. And thank you to everyone that shared today. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, and we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Well, Rachel Dub, I'm so sorry, Deanna B., please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Rachel B.? Thank you, Melanie. I'm so sorry. What is uh, myself today? I made so many mistakes today. I met Deanna B. Hi, there you are. Thank you. Uh, Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.